that formality we have to go through there. You know, we have to have to shake hands. Well, I, I just want to thank you, Pastor Ferguson, for uh, allowing us to be here today. I'd like my wife to stand up. I had her stand up in Sunday school. Um, and uh, it is my pleasure to embarrass my wife every chance I get. So uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell you to sit back down yet, sweetheart. This, we've been married for 41 years, my wife Joanne. Uh, most of you know my son Bob and Rebecca and uh, Ryan and Evan and our new granddaughter, Lauren Avery's here for her first time. She wanted to come to church and hear Grandpa preach, amen. So, uh, so we're very, very uh, grateful and thankful to be here today. Um, and uh, I, before I get into the message, if you want to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, that's where we're going to start off today. I do want to say a few things. Um, again, this book, I talked about it briefly in, in Sunday school. Uh, the book was um, birthed out of um, our son John's life. People had told us for years why Johnny was alive. You need to write a book, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And, and uh, we always just kind of just said, yeah, you know, because Johnny had been through so much. And he touched so many hearts and so many lives while he was alive because of the way that he went through all that he went through. And, uh, and in the back of my mind, it was always, well, God had never really written the last chapter. And so we never bothered writing the book. Well, shortly after Johnny passed away, October uh, 3rd, 2015, um, the Lord said, okay, I've, I've written the last chapter. It's time to write the book. I said that at a meeting not too long ago, and a, and a preacher came up to me afterwards and said, you know what, the last chapter's not complete yet, because God's still using Johnny's life to help people, and that was a kind of an encouragement to me. But folks, this book, uh, uh, and I'm not telling you this because we wrote it, but we've heard so, so many uh, wonderful comments about the book. This book has helped people. If you know someone going through a trial, this book will help them. And that's the reason we wrote it. We wanted to help some people. Also, uh, the books are $10 each on the table back there, two for 20 or three for 30 if, uh, if you want to purchase one. Uh, but also, you, with the book, you can get one of these uh, wristbands that say in spite of on them. And it's, a, it's really a witnessing tool. If you have this on, somebody asks you, in spite of what does that mean? You say, I have decided that in spite of whatever I go through, I'm going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ because I know he's going to help me through whatever trials I have. And, and Pastor alluded to the tracks. Uh, we just got these yesterday. Um, uh, got them printed up. They're free. Go back to the table. Folks, take as many as you want that you will pass out. Um, uh, and I say that you will pass out because I know how it goes. You grab a bunch of tracks sometimes. Uh, they're in your wallet. They're somewhere else. Next thing you know, they're all dog-eared. They're all beat up. And you're ashamed to give them to anybody. But, uh, but take as many as you want. They're, on the, they're free. But, uh, but those are resources that are on that back table uh, for you. My wife will be back there. Don't pay me. Pay her. She can count. I can't. Even though they're by tens, I am still uh, have a difficult time. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a little bit of an idea about Johnny and his his his, his sense of humor, the way that Johnny thought. Um, uh, he was profoundly deaf, and um, uh, one of the stories we share in the book uh, actually is uh, I used to fill pulpits from time to time. We we, we had a deaf ministry at uh, Parkview Baptist Church down in Livonia, and uh, every once in a while. Uh, pastor would be out of town, be on vacation or whatever, and have me come and fill a pulpit. Well, one church was without a pastor in Canton, Michigan, and they met in a one-room schoolhouse. So it was kind of a small building, and, and the, the, they had a 
fairly good sized church, so they packed it out. And so it was really kind of tight in there. And uh, my wife, uh, Johnny, and I went to uh, went there, and my wife and Johnny were on the front row, and my wife's interpreting, and, and uh, I'm, I'm preaching away. And uh, one of the things about Johnny is he was a clock watcher. He always had a watch. And he loved, he, he, the teachers would tell you at school, oh yeah, he tells us this is going on at this time, you, you know, you're late for math, start math class and all these things. But, uh, but one of the things that we failed to tell Johnny is we went to the church, our church in Livonia started at 1030 in the morning, uh, much like you guys do here, right? But the church that we went to started at 11 o'clock in the morning service. So Johnny didn't realize that, and we had gone to Sunday school, and time kind of got away with it, and we never explained to him about it. So I'm preaching away, and I'm coming to the end of my message, and man, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching. Boy, I tell you, I, I wanted to take notes on myself. It was such a good message. And I was, just, I was just preaching away, and out of the corner of my eye, on the front row, Joanne's interpreting for Johnny, and they're on the front row. I see Johnny out of the corner of my eye go like this. And then he looked up at me, and right then I go, oh no, this is not going to end well. And so I kept preaching, I kept trying to ignore him, and he's not paying any attention to his mother. And I could see the wheels spinning in his head. Now it's, it's, it's 12 o'clock, it's 10 after 12. And he's thinking, wait a minute, we're supposed to be out of church by now. And he looks again at his watch, and looks up at me, and in the front row, lifts his arm up over his head, showing me his watch, and goes, Ah, ah, like this, and I tried to ignore him, but it was fruitless because nobody else was paying any attention to me. They're all looking at him, and they're laughing and they're joking. Finally, I had to stop and say, "I know, Johnny. I know it's time. We will we'll quit. I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished." And uh, and uh, after the service was over, one of the deacons comes up to me and says, "Brother, you can come back anytime you want, as long as you bring your son with you." So. They invited me back a couple more times, amen. But uh, years ago, uh, this goes back probably about three or four years ago now, um, Bob uh, needed to borrow my lawnmower. He borrowed my lawnmower, and, uh, and uh, um, my wife and I had gone out that evening, and we, Johnny had a, a phone that he could text on um, so that we could stay in communication. And one of the blessings was that we could leave John periodically for stretches of time. Well, Bob wanted to return the lawnmower. And so he texts Johnny and let him know, I'm going to come over. I'm going I'm to bring back the lawnmower uh, to the house. And so he was trying to get in contact with John. Johnny, he always had his phone right next to him. He would do artwork or whatever it was. So we, my wife and I were going through his phone the other day, and we saw this, this, this thread of text that Bob and Johnny had. This is Bobby. He says, I am on my way to your house. I am dropping off dad's lawnmower 11 minutes later bob texts again hello about eight minutes later he says hey i am at the front door can you open it and let me in then johnny answers him hi i am good busy clean room okay write list movie horror film board tired bobby texts back I am at your house, come to the front door and let me in. Johnny, okay, okay, I soon maybe two uh, weeks, two or three mall FYE movie destination collection. Bobby, come 
to your front door. Let me in. I am here right now. Johnny, okay, good night. <laughs> I don't even remember how you got in the house, son, but I know eventually he finally, he finally got in. But that, that, was, that was our son, Johnny. And, uh, and uh, he's, he's been a blessing. As Pastor said, tonight's going to be a little bit more of a teaching service. I'm going to try to, our ministry is to try to help God's people realize that trials are a blessing. <laughs> that usually doesn't go over very well. But the fact of the matter is, folks, our testimony. You and I want to reach the lost by God's grace. You may have grown up in a Christian home and you cannot relate to the drunk. You, you, may, you can't relate to the person that's doing drugs. You can't relate to other people that are maybe in other situations in life. It's hard for you to relate to them. But let me tell you something. Every person on this earth have problems. If we begin to try to connect with one another through our trials, God will use us in a great and a mighty way. And that's the gist of our, our, our ministry, to try to help people realize God is not punishing you. God is not hurting you. He's not, it, 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 don't look at your trials as something that God just could have prevented, but look at them as something that God can use in your life and in my life to build the kingdom of God. So that's where we're at. And so this morning I want to preach from Romans chapter number 15. And if you found your place, I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand with me as we read Romans chapter 15. We'll start reading in verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Verse number four there says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This morning I want to bring a message, hope in spite of the hurt. Hope in spite of the hurt. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you again this morning and Lord we thank you for this time that we can be together. Under the word of God, in the house of God, with the people of God. And Lord, I pray that this morning you would just guide and direct as we begin to open the word and try to preach. God, I pray you'd baptize me with the Holy Ghost. Lord, give me power this morning to bring a message that would encourage the saints of God. Lord, I pray you'd speak through me. Help me to be silent where I need to be silent. Help me to speak where I need to speak. But God, I pray that you, Lord, would speak to hearts. You know every heart that's in this building right now. And Lord, I pray that you would meet needs, you would challenge hearts, and Lord, if by chance there's someone here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, does not have the hope of heaven, Lord, I pray that this morning they would see their need and trust Jesus Christ. So Lord, guide and direct, give us wisdom to follow, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Our son Johnny, as Pastor alluded to, was born May 1st, 1987. I came into the world with multiple malformations. He was a very unique uh, child. He had a hole in his face where his upper lip should have been. 
uh, cleft lip, cleft palate. He was born wall-eyed. His eyes went in two different directions as opposed to being cross-eyed. Um, he had a diaphragmatic hernia, which is a hole in your diaphragm. Uh, he had two heart valves replaced. He had a kidney transplant. Um, and again, Johnny had over, well over 40 surgeries. We kind of lost count after a while. Some major surgeries, some minor surgeries, but it's when it's your child, they're all major. Amen. When it's your child and they go under anesthesia, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a major event that takes place in your life. When Johnny was 28 years old, he was four foot six feet tall. He was very short. He had kyphosis of the spine. His spine was bent and bowed and, um, uh, he didn't walk till he was five and then he needed, he was aided by leg braces and, uh, really he was in a wheelchair. Um, mo- if we we're going to do any, any amount of walking, uh, he was in a wheelchair, but Johnny was also profoundly deaf. And I let you all know this because he was fearfully and wonderfully made. He was fearfully and wonderfully made by our creator. In spite of all of Johnny's challenges, he still had dreams and a strong will to survive. He was a fighter. He dreamed of being like his brothers, Bob, and I know that's probably hard for you to believe, but uh, he wanted to be like wanted to be like his brothers, Bob and Bob and Jason. You know, he he had dreams. He had, he had he wanted to get married someday. He didn't want to have children, and he didn't want to have dogs because children and dogs run a lot and they scare him. He, they would they would startle him, and so he didn't want to have that. But he did uh, he did want to get married and live independently, kind of. Uh, he wanted to uh, he he. Had, actually sat down and wrote a list of qualifications out for the woman that he was going to marry. And, uh, and uh, he, he wrote these down. He, he said, first of all, she has to be pretty. Amen. She, he wanted to have a wife that was pretty. Um, she needed to be hearing, but to know sign language so she could interpret for him when he went to the doctors or whatever he was going through so that someone could you know, speak for him and let him know what was going on. Uh, someone that she would have to be able to take him to the doctors, manage his medicine, someone that could cook, someone that could clean, someone that could take care of him. And I finally realized this boy wants to marry his mother, you know? <laughs> He wrote out this list, and one day we, we actually went out to lunch, uh, to dinner with uh, one of the aides from Michigan School for the Deaf, where Johnny went to school, and uh, she was always so sweet, she was always so nice to Johnny, and, uh, and uh, he, you know, she was pretty, and she was, he, Johnny was hoping she'd meet all the qualifications, and uh, Joanne and her had the birthday was the same day. So period, every, every other year or so, we'd go out to lunch, and one day Johnny brought the list with him, and as we're sitting at dinner, he takes the list and slides it across the table to her. And me and, me and Joanna are going, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's doing this. And she's going, what do I do? I said, just tell him you can't meet all the qualifications. She goes, well, it's true, I can't. I said, well, just tell him that, I think he'll, he'll be fine, you know. And finally she said, I'm sorry, I can't. Johnny was disappointed, but at the same time, uh, he just took the list back and said, fine, I'll find somebody else, amen. But, but. As Pastor said, and it's in the track, the, the last two years of Johnny's life, his health began to really deteriorate. The kidney transplant that he had finally failed, and uh, he ended up on dialysis three times a week, and uh, he was in severe pain. Uh, and at that point, Johnny realized, you know, my health's not going to get any better than what it is right now, and he gave up on his dreams. He lost his fight. He lost his will to live. Johnny had a great faith. And at that point, because he was in so much pain, severe pain, we can't even understand how much pain he was in. He just, he hurt all the time. He said he began to ask God to take him home. 
just take me home. I've had enough. I, I, I've suffered enough. And he would say, oh, Jesus is stubborn. He'd get up in the morning and say, Jesus is stubborn. I said, what do you mean Jesus is stubborn? He'd say, Jesus is stubborn. I didn't go home last night. I mean, that, that's how we all want to go, right? Amen. If, the, if it's not through the rapture, I want to go to bed at night and wake up in heaven. That's, that was Johnny's idea. That was his plan. So the hardest thing that my wife and me and, and my boys, other boys, Bob and Jason, had to do, and, and Rebecca and Kristen, he asked us to agree with him in prayer that the Lord would take him home. It was a hard thing to do. But we all knew he was going to get a new body. As a matter of fact, Johnny, the reason he knew that he hadn't gone to heaven was because he had an upper plate that he wore all day long. And at night he would take the plate out and in the morning he would put it in. And he would, when he would wake up in bed, he said he would take his tongue and rub it against his gums. And if, that, and if he didn't have teeth, he knew he hadn't gone to heaven yet. Because he knew he was going to get him a new body when he got there. So he'd rub his tongue, and that's when he'd say, oh, Jesus, Jesus is stubborn. <clears throat> we prayed, and we asked God to, to, with Johnny to, to take him home. And like I said, on October 3rd, 2015, the Lord took Johnny home. He was home. He wasn't in the hospital. He wasn't hooked up to machines. And we thanked the Lord for that. He had gotten up that morning, gotten dressed. Uh, my wife was in Atlanta, Georgia. Our other son had just had a baby. She was down there seeing him. And, uh, and uh, he had gotten dressed. He had taken his walker. He was heading towards the door. And the Lord took him. He collapsed. And they assume his heart just gave out. Now, I tell you all this not to... Not so everybody will say, well, the poor Ashleys. I don't tell you all this because, folks, we know that there's a lot of people out there that have gone through a whole lot worse than what we've been through. We understand that. And we also know that everyone in this room has a story. You have it in spite of in your life. We tell you this because, again, we want to encourage you today. We want to encourage God's people. Everybody has an in spite of in their life, some big, some small in comparison, but they're your in spite of. They're your trial. They're your heartache, what you're going through. And what we want you to understand is the Lord wants us to use our trials as a catalyst and not a crutch. Use our, our trials as something that God can use to make a difference in someone else's life. So this morning, I want us to take a look at Romans chapter 15. In verse number four, and see the hope that God gives us in spite of the hurt. First of all, God gives us a communication of hope. Verse number four says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. The word of God is for you and I to understand, to learn, to take a look at the word of God and see that the God of Abraham is the God that we serve today. The God of Jacob is the God that we serve today. The God of, of, of Joseph, 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 the God that took Joseph from the, from the pit to the prison to the palace is the same God that we serve today. The God of David, David who ran from Saul and then eventually became king is the God who we serve today. The God of Elijah, the God of Elisha. The God of the Old Testament prophets is the God who we serve today. The God of Peter, who walked 
on water. Is the same God that you and I serve today. These things were written for our learning. God that we serve today is the same God of the Bible. Folks, this is not a fairy tale book. This is not a story book. This is the Word of God. And all the things that are in the Word of God really happened. Do you believe that today? And if you believe that today, then friend, you and I need to understand today. These things were written so that today... 2,000 years after Jesus ascended up into heaven, we know that we serve the same God of the Bible. We have the same God. He has a purpose in the pain that you and I go through. Nothing is wasted in our life. The Lord wants to use all the experiences that he allows us to go through for his honor and for his glory. James chapter 5 verses 10 through 11 says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endured. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Like I told you this morning, when our son Johnny was born, it was a shock to us. It was a shock. And again, he wasn't a burden. Oh, little sister burden, where's she at? She said to me, well, all my kids are a burden. <laughs> I said, okay, I understand that. Amen. I had to go to the word of God to look to the word of God when Johnny was born for some hope. For some help. You know, again, like I told you this morning, Job is the hero of the faith. I wanted to learn about where his patience came from. I read and found out that Job was just a man, just like you and I. You know, I love that book because Job was real. His trials were real. What he went through was real. Again, it's not a storybook. It's the truth. Our trials... Come, and when our trials come, we need to go to the Word of God so that we might find hope. Then God gives us a consistency of hope. The Bible says that we through patience might have hope. We through patience, 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 patience. People say, whatever you do, don't pray for patience. Why? Because Bible says, tribulation worketh patience. So we don't want the tribulation. So we say, well, then I'm not going to pray for patience because I don't want the tribulation. The Bible says we have need of patience. We are in need of the patience that God has for us. But the idea of patience in the word of God isn't the same as you and I think of patiently waiting for something to happen. It has the idea of consistency. Consistency in our life. The patience of Job. Job was the same. I talked about it this morning. Job had a walk with God before he went into his trials. He had a walk with God through his trials. And he had a walk with God when he came out of his trials. He had a consistent walk with God through whatever he went through. And you and I need to understand that's where the Lord wants us. To have a consistent walk. Have a consistency about our lives. 
He wants us to have the same testimony when we go into the trials as when we come out of the trials. Before Johnny was born, um, my wife and I, as Pastor said, we had uh, we only my wife got saved a year and a half before Johnny was born. I had gotten right with God. I had been saved while I was in the service, and man, we were doing everything right. Hey, man, we were doing it all right. We were in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were teaching classes. I was driving a bus. I was going to the prison. We were going down to the uh, the rescue mission. I mean, man, if there was ever anything, we were punching all the right buttons. Amen? Yet trouble came. Johnny was born. And man, that was rough. That was really rough. We had to make a choice at that point. We had to make a choice. We had a, to, we had a desire to stay consistent. But again, like I talked about in Sunday school, it was hard for us to reconcile the love of God and the pain that we were going through. You know, we could have gave up on God. We could have just said, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to back off on all these ministries and we're just going to go ahead and, and sit in a pew. Or we could have just gotten out of church altogether. And the sad part is, is most people would not have blamed us. They said, man, if God's going to treat you that way, then I don't blame you for getting out of church. I don't blame you for for doing whatever it is that, that we could have done, right? But the fact of the matter was, we had told so many people about the love of God. We had told so many people that the Lord Jesus loved us and cared about us. We had told so many people. See, most of our friends and family thought we'd lost our minds. We had gotten into some kind of a cult. We had fallen and bumped our head, you know, because uh, our life radically changed. And they thought something was wrong with us. Oh, well, we'll see how long this lasts. We'll see how long these they, they, they stay faithful to God. And if we had turned from the Lord, all the people that we had witnessed to would say, see, God wasn't real. See, they didn't really believe those things that they had sent to us. It was our opportunity to show everyone that we knew God is real. The God of the Bible is real. The God that, 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 that did the miracles in Egypt is real. It was our opportunity to show all those people, all the naysayers, that you know what? We do believe these things. I can't give you the answers on why this happened in our life. But I know one thing, God wants to use it for his honor and for his glory. Friends and family began to watch every move we made. My dad was not a saved man. My dad, as a matter of fact, was a wicked man at five years old. My mom and dad got divorced. My dad was an alcoholic. He beat my mom. And my relationship with my dad for a good part of a a portion of my life anyway was, you know, going out to the bar with my dad and sitting and and drinking with him. Well, I got right with God and Joanne got saved. He began to watch our life. Ah, ah, ah. But when Johnny was born, he began to watch us. I had prayed about six months before Johnny was born for my dad. Lord, my dad needs to be saved. He's a tough nut. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you to save my father, do it. 
Now, when you pray something like that, what you're thinking is, God, whatever you have to bring into my father's life, whatever trial, whatever heartache, whatever pain you have to bring into my father's life, bring it into my father's life so that my father would get saved. Right? I had someone tell me one time, oh, you prayed an unintelligent prayer. Because I hadn't thought it through. And at that, that moment he said that, I thought, well, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the brightest thing I guess I ever did. But can I tell you something? Johnny was born. And when Johnny came into our life, my dad put us under a microscope. Now we're going to find out. Now we're going to see if that God's real. Can I tell you that six months before my dad died, he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Based on the word of God, I believe my dad's in heaven today. Not because he was a great man of God, not because he had served the Lord, but because he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Joanne's parents, religious people, grew up in religion their whole lives. Lost. At 80 years old, they bowed at the coffee table. They knelt down at their coffee table in their living room and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Why? I believe it's because they watched our family. And the God that we believed in, the God that we trusted through all that, got us through, strengthened us, shored us up. Not because we were anything, but our God was something. And friend, it's the same God that you serve, the same God that's in the Bible that will get us through. He will give us a consistency in our life. He will give us a consistency of a walk. Too many of us, we're, we're up one day and we're down the next and up one day and down the next and, and, and we don't have a consistency in our walk. We allow our circumstances to dictate how we are going to react in our life. You know what? I always say that the Christian life is not so much how we act. We're good at that. We can, we can, we can cross our T's, we can dot our I's, we can dress right, we can, we can do, uh, all the things that we're supposed to do, and we can act right, we can perform in our Christianity. But friend, your Christianity shines not out so much on how you act, but how you react to what comes into your life. God wants us to have a consistency, a patience in our life. When we depend upon him, he will give us a consistency of hope. And then can I tell you this morning, he'll give us the comfort of hope. The word of God, again, will bring us comfort in our times of trial. Psalm 119 verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. God brings us comfort that produces, or produces the hope that we need in our trials, in our afflictions. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit of God to lead us. When we're, and I'll talk about this a little bit tonight, when we're trying to comfort someone, the Bible says that the Word of God brings comfort. Amen? Word of God brings us comfort. But when we try to comfort someone with the Word of God, we need to, we need to really trust the, the Holy Ghost, friend. Because sometimes the Word of God that we want to quote isn't going to bring any comfort. Can I tell you, I'm a, I know I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. In the word of God, I love the word of God. But can I tell you something? At Romans 8, 28, at one time in my life, put a knot in my stomach. Well, 
Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, it's all going to work to your good. Really? You're not going through what I'm going through right now. Your heart isn't breaking like my heart's breaking right now. And people, we had so many well-meaning Christians quote Romans 8, 28 to us when Johnny was born. And you just smile and nod, you know. Yeah, I know. But that's not comforting me right now. Again, Job was my comfort. That was my comfort zone. The book of Job. Some people, it may be something different. You know, we knew the truth, but we weren't ready to receive it. Today, I can look back, and my wife and Bob, can all, we can all look back and see what God has done. Amen. And it has worked for good. God used Johnny in so, so many ways. And by God's grace, he's using us today and, 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 and using Johnny's testimony. And God's brought in many, many great things. And I believe many deaf are saved today because of Johnny. And many people have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of them are in heaven right now because of what Johnny, uh, Johnny's testimony was. I can look back now and see that. But man, when we were going through a lot of those things. It was sure hard to see. We as the children of God, when we go through our trials, need to rely on the author of the word of God to help us and believe and to trust that he will take us to the place of scripture that will comfort us in our time of trial, in our time of heartache. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. The God of all comfort will lead us to the scriptures that will comfort us the most. But you know what? When we're going through our trials... That means we have to get into the Word of God and not avoid the Word of God. A lot of times when we go through hard times, we, we, we shut our Bible, don't we, and push it off to the side. Friend, where we need to be is digging in the Word of God and let the Spirit of God comfort us as he promises in his Word that he will give us comfort through our difficult times. Again, for me, it was the book of Job. To others, it might be the Psalms or a gospel, a favorite passage of Scripture, or something that the Spirit of God will show us. You know, the Scriptures related to our heavenly home are great passages of comfort. This past, um, a week ago last Friday, talk about the unexpected this morning, our son Jason and his wife were in town with their, with their baby and we had gone to Greenfield Village, and we were on our way back home. And my wife's phone rang, and we got the news that one of my dearest friends and a couple that my wife and I have been friends with for 30-plus years had been at work, worked on a commercial. He was a commercial roofer, been doing it for over 40 years, owned his own business, had fallen off a roof, and was in critical condition at the time, which he ended up dying because of his injuries. Talk about the unexpected phone call, right? But we have hope, don't we? I have hope that I'm going to see him again. I have hope that I'm going to see Johnny again. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, verses 13 through 18, talk about the rapture of the church. 
We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them and meet the Lord in the air, right? In the last verse, in verse number 18, it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We're to sorrow not as others which have no hope. We have hope. Revelation chapter Chapter um, uh, 21 and verse 4 says, and, the God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God gives us a communication, a consistency, a comfort of hope, and then God gives us the confidence of hope. The confidence of hope. Hope is an expectation that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. It's not, boy, I sure hope I can make it to heaven someday. No, friend, I have a a confidence that I'm going to heaven based upon the word of God. I have hope. And that's what separates you and I from the lost world. We have hope. It's something that we can depend upon, something that we know. We have an expectation in our life. You know, if the Bible says, remember the old bumper sticker? Uh, if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. You ever seen that bumper sticker? I always used to laugh and say, no, if the Bible says it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Amen, it's the word of God. You know, if the Bible says that he loves me no matter what, I can depend on him dealing with me out of a heart filled with love. The Bible says he will never leave me nor forsake me. I can depend upon his presence even when I can't feel it. The Bible says that I can experience pain and joy at the same time. I can have a confidence that I can joyfully sorrow in hope. October 3rd, 2015, I walked into Johnny's room and experienced the deepest grief I've ever felt, the greatest pain I've ever had in my entire life. I saw my son lying there, and I knew he was gone. As I bent down and I held him and cried and wept and cried and wept and cried and wept. The grief was far greater than anything I ever had in my life. But can I tell you something? At that same moment, I experienced great joy. Because as I held that boy in my arms, I knew his faith became sight. God answered his prayers. He was home. He had a new body. He was healthy. And I experienced grief and joy at the same time, friend. And you can have that. They can coexist. The joy that the Lord gives us. Why? Because we have hope. And I hope today that you, you have that hope in your heart. I pray that you know that hope in your heart today. as the hope that God has given us as we hurt in our life. So hurt, a hope in spite of the hurt this morning. Do you have the hope of heaven? Do you have an expectation when you've breathed your last breath here on earth or that your next breath will be drawn in heaven? Do you have an expectation of that? Could you, like Johnny, pray and ask God to just take you home? Do you have that kind of hope today? I'm not saying we should do that. We should pray that way. Johnny had reason to. But do you have that hope today? 
Have you come to God on his terms and not yours? Admitting that you're a sinner, confessing your guilt before him and asking him for forgiveness, accepting Jesus Christ as your only Savior? And if you have, can I tell you, he's given you a communication of hope today. Are you in the word of God, Christian? Or do you have to go searching on Sunday morning? Where did I put my Bible? Do you have time in the word of God each day? Friend, you need to have that. You need to have that in your word. Do you believe today that the God of the Bible is the same God you serve today? He gives us a consistency of hope. Do you have a walk with God like Job did? Walk with the Lord before your trials. Walk with the Lord during your trials. And walk with the Lord as you come out of your trials. Because people are watching you. And they want to see some people that really believe there is a God that they say that they do. Because in your trials, in the fire, in the affliction, is where most people live. And they want to know that God's real. And they'll know it through you, child of God. And he gives us comfort of hope. Let the Spirit of God lead you to the scriptures that will comfort you today. Then God gives us a confidence, the confidence of hope. Have confidence in the God of the Bible that he will do what he says he will do. Heavenly Father, we come.